Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. I never, ever thought I would open a business for myself. And then I had a baby. Meet Patrice Mousseau, founder of Satya Organics, a skincare company created for people with skin issues, powered by Shopify. When Esme was about eight months old, she developed eczema. The doctor's only option to me was steroid creams. I just started experimenting in my kitchen crock pot. I actually found something that cleared her eczema up in two days. After about a year or so of just selling it out of my kitchen window, I decided to make a business out of it. Shopify templates are fantastic, and their customer service is absolutely stellar. You can buy Satya online, you can buy it in stores, you can buy it in our social channels, and that's all made possible by Shopify. When you're ready to share your business with the world, grow it on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform trusted by millions of businesses like Satya. Get a free 14-day trial at shopify.com slash free22 and start selling wherever your customers are with easy-to-use tools and friendly 24-7 support. Go to shopify.com slash free22, shopify.com slash free22. Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. Great Redeemer, God of grace. All right, everybody, welcome back to Unscripted from my studios in Old Hilliard. Ooh, this is going to be a good one today. I, I'm so excited. I, I, I really am excited. It's all in front of me. Uh, all right. So uh, let me let my guest introduce herself and we will go from there. Hello, I am Nita Whitaker. I am the author of a new book called When Your Hand is in the Lion's Mouth, The Life and Wisdom of a Man Named Green. Whew. You left a lot out. I mean, seriously, like, so <laughs> let me run through rest. a few things. All right. So I'll, let me run through a few things real quick, just because you left a lot out and there's a lot people need to know. You're a former ICU's, uh, ICU registered nurse, uh, Miss Louisiana, yes. Miss Louisiana. Uh, okay. Like that, that's a big deal. Uh, you're an accomplished singer. You're an award-winning actress and an author. Uh, my here, here's one of my favorite parts. You are a favorite singer of legendary producer David Foster, who I think I watched the Netflix. Uh, I think I watched the Netflix documentary about him. But anyway, oh, yeah. we'll talk. Yeah, it was so good. All right, and, and because of that, um, he has you have sung some famous voices of our time. You sang original demos, and we got to get into this. Like, we have a lot to unpack. Um, but you sang original demos for Whitney Houston's standards, and y'all, y'all got to buckle up. I will always love you. I have nothing, and I look to you. Goodness, I'm just going to stop right there because we got a lot to unpack. I, I told you if, in the pregame, we're not going to ask you to swing, sing. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm not going to ask you to sing, but my goodness, you must have a voice. So let's just start there. What what does it even mean to sing a demo? What I just said, like, um, 
for David, David Foster, goodness, he's got a demo, you know, he's got a documentary on Netflix. He is, is recognized as, what does that even mean? Like, can you help us understand that? Um, David is uh, one of the, one of the most brilliant artists of our time. As far as pop music, he certainly has left his template of incredible music, great production and I always mm-hmm. say to David, he could get a good vocal out of a goat. He has a very specific technique. <laughs> <laughs> I was introduced to him through our mutual um, publicity. We, had, we were both represented by the same publicity firm, and my guy introduced me to him. And he took a shining to me and loved my voice. This was after I'd won Star Search. I was the, in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I hate to do all this. Um, no, I love it. Uh, please, well, because people need yeah, to know who it, you are. It's, it's amazing. I know. I, I, it, it's a wonderful, I've, I've had some wonderful successes and I, there's still much more to do. But I was a Hall of Fame uh, grand champion female vocal winner. And from oh. that is how I met David because I hired a publicist and they introduced me to David. So um, that Hall of Fame, only be, I'm the only one that's been undefeated, only female other than Sam Harris that was ever undefeated through my 13 rounds. So whatever that mm. means. So meeting David, was a treat. And I will tell you, I didn't know much about him when I met him. I just was meeting this mm-hmm. guy and I went completely overdressed. Like I went with pearls and a dress, you know, Southern <laughs> girl, you know, high tick ticks on. I went into the studio. He had a broken leg and I met him as he was recording his Christmas record, which is mm. phenomenal if you haven't heard it. And he mm-hmm. just said to me, we're going to work together. And I said, okay. Didn't know what that meant. The first thing I worked on was I have not been. He called me. Mm. Um, I was doing, I decided I was going to do a cruise ship. And he called me uh, on the cruise ship. And it was, people were running, like, Nita, Nita, David Foster's on the phone. I was like, who, what, what? So I was doing right. like a new thing. And so that's how we began. And I did that demo, ended up doing a part in the movie. I'm singing, I have nothing in the movie. Um, in the bodyguard? Huh? Mm-hmm. In, the body. in the bodyguard? Is that, yeah, the film? Yeah, wow. the award ceremony. Wow. There's a girl that's singing I Have Nothing. That's me. So wow. if, you, if wow. you blink, you'll miss me, though, because I'm just there for a minute. It's, the, it's like a 30-second version with Peter Matz doing the... Hmm. Anyway, David has given me so many stages, and he trusted me with some of the songs that he was creating. I certainly am not a demo singer, but I felt like I was getting a chance to shape these songs with my interpretation oh. of them. Uh, that's what I've done with some of those songs. Some other ones there, I can name some others I've done for Josh Groban. I've done for uh, uh, Faith Hill. Um, oh, gosh, there's been a lot. <laughs> but I call myself the surrogate mother to those songs. You know how you give birth to them? I didn't yes. write them, but I, yes. I put my voice on them and my interpretation of it and then gave it to someone who would give it a greater life. That's not the way I planned it. But it's how it happened. So I feel wow. kinship with those songs. And I'm so grateful that uh, David saw that in me and, you know, wanted to have me be a part of, of uh, kind of the, the life of his music. Not all, but certainly a small part. Um, and he's Unbelievable. a dear, dear friend. Unbelievable. Like, so just so I understand, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm fascinated by all this. So we always see clips where, or documentaries or movies where, you know, some star gets in a car and they pop in a tape and it, and it plays this song. And then the star says, yeah, I want that song. Um, is, 
your voice the one that, so let's just say, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Let's just say that Whitney Houston, at some point, somebody popped in a tape, pushed play, and it was your voice singing those songs. That's And Whitney Houston, apparently, or someone said, I want that song on my next album. Or, or they said, like does that. That, does that, how's that work? It, it can be that way. Or what happened with me was it was the song was specifically written for her because she was doing the movie. So right. David's ex-wife, Linda Thompson wrote the lyric, David did the music. They called me and said, we've got this song and we want to show Whitney how it goes, how it goes. So mm. we, I worked with David and um, Kevin Costner and Linda. They had, wow. they had just written it and they were teaching it to me as they were. And they still had some stuff they hadn't worked out. And I went over, this is so many, I'm just dropping names. It's just crazy, but I'm mm-hmm. not doing it to impress. I'm just kind of sharing. No, it's incredible. Um, incredible. They said, come over to Alan Thicke's house, God rest his soul. And we were at Alan wow. Thicke's house. And I'm in the middle of this thinking with my, with the, my then toddler thinking, how did, how am I here? But this is so groovy right. because what I know is what my dad taught me in the book is people are people, Right. And so right. these people walked in. Of course, they're gorgeous. They're tan. They've got their things on. They've got their, they're just played tennis. There's, you know, they're sun tossed. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I here? But I'm here. Wow. And I'm going to wow. use this thing. That's what they right. call me for this thing and this mm-hmm. thing, my heart. So I never, I don't know how to do anything 50%. So we were learning it and, and, um, Kevin was timing in, try this. I must have sang parts of the song 50 times. I mean, just as they were sort of, they'd just written it and they were figuring it out. Then the next step was to go into the studio. But this song, to answer your question, was specifically for Whitney, as is I Will Always Love You. Mm. It was specifically written for her. But every singer needs a roadmap. Right. And then they can add their own thing in. But, you know, I laid the roadmap. I caressed the song and and added my thing in. And then they said, this is something I want you to do. So then after that, they had me come back in with the director, Mick Jackson, to Warner Brothers Studio. I think it was Warner. And they had me sing a whole different lyric that they wanted to try. That lyric didn't work. The original lyric was the one that was recorded. And um, I Will Always Love You was uh, not quite as detail because that was already a song written by Dolly Parton but it was for the mm-hmm. movie they were going to do mm-hmm. it and that acapella part when I did the demo with David it was he had music laid under it and it was later that I'm sure you've heard the story that Clive said I want the first part with no music so wow. that was that changed I didn't record it without any music it had music laid under that first part if I should stay I would wow. own that part yeah so oh, no, no, go um, ahead, go ahead. You you sing. I'll, I'll go no, ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> I just I was just kind of singing that little section. So Oof. you know, some of the songs yeah. that I've done have specifically been written. Now, when I did with Walter, I love to you again, R. Kelly, mm. and mm-hmm. whatever he has become. Oof. Right, 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 um, right, right. Mm, um, mm. Had written that song specifically mm. for Whitney, right? Right. many years ago and it got to her and it wasn't for a movie project it was just for one of her record projects so walter what was walter's name was oh it just went out of my head anyway um uh, he just produced the um grammys anyway he was the producer on that one and he called me in and he said i need you to sing this song straight don't riff don't do anything just 
you know, some people are riffalicious. I, I don't sing like that. I believe, in, and it's, it's very impressive, but I believe in bending a note for a reason. I think you give people the melody, and if you bend a note, right. then it really means something. But some people can do all those vocal, vocal gymnastics, and woo, is that, that's great. I'm like, yes, do that. That is not me. But what I yeah. know how to do and what I've learned how to do in my career is I know how to give you, a, I know how to give you the story of the song. That's what mm. I so mm-hmm. I think that's why I've worked in that area because it's important to me in, in my acting training. Every song is a story. So I would say the song yes. as a monologue. Mm. And then from, so I could, okay, this is what we're, so then I could really caress parts of the song and make it, you know, have the vulnerability, have the, the, the storytelling component and be able to still tell it within the framework of the music and the lyrics that I was given. So I know we just went through a lot and it has nothing to do with your book. And so I thank, thank you so much for taking us through that because I, I am a music um, lover. Well, uh, I'm a lyric there's a lover. Finer, there's not a finer musician. Ugh. David can play a piano. It's, David can produce. Mm. He is, he's brilliant. And I'm so happy Mm -hmm. that, that um, I can say he's my friend beyond, you know, we're not, we don't work together as much these days, but we've had 20 plus years that we have worked together and I could pick up the phone right now and call him. He's, he's so dear to my, he loves us. Um, You know, everybody moves on with their life and, and uh, yeah, he and I have had some wonderful, amazing musical experiences. I wanted the audience to know who I'm speaking with because I, I'm so honored. Um, you know, as you said, um, I will always love you was written by Dolly Parton or sung by, Dolly, you know, a producer. It was original by Dolly Parton. Whitney obviously took that to the next level, but I will tell you my favorite Whitney Houston song, and I'm a child of the eighties. My favorite Whitney Houston song is I have nothing. Uh, it leaves me weak. Like it's just, and it's such an incredible song. So to know that I get to speak to and people that are listening to our interview today uh, are hearing the, 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 the voice that introduced that to Whitney Houston for the movie. I, I'm so honored right now. Like seriously, I'm, 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 I got chill bumps. I'm so oh. honored. And I know that's not what we got on today, but I just wanted to make sure we laid some groundwork for everybody. So they understand who we're, we're hearing and who I'm talking to today. Uh, I just want you to know, I, I, I have that. nothing is one of the most amazing songs I've ever heard. It is my favorite. And I have a rule uh, that people have listened to the podcast. No, you, when I, I don't like um, American Idol and all these shows. Cause if there, if I watch them, I have, I have one rule. And that is you don't sing Freddie Mercury and you don't sing Whitney Houston because there's nobody that can be Everybody's those two people. Everybody's trying. It's like, stop it already. They're trying. They it, it's it. trying. And, and as soon as you did it, I'm turning it off because at the end of the day, there's only one Freddie Mercury and there's only one Whitney Houston and you better not try. But I have a feeling you must be up there. You, you must be able because if it's sold Whitney on those songs. Uh, so anyway. I know that's not what you got on today, but I just wanted everybody to know what, wow, I'm just so honored to speak to you today. I truly am. What, a, what an incredible life you've had and opportunities you've had in your life. Um, that being said, let's talk about the book. So you okay. have a new book. <laughs> let's talk about the book. Uh, let's talk about the book. Uh, so the book is when your hand is in the lion's mouth, the life of, and, uh, and wisdom of a man. Can you talk about your book a little bit? My book is, um, 
a father-daughter memoir mm. about the life of my father and the lessons that his life taught me. Uh, it is an exploration of his childhood in the early America in North Louisiana in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. It is um, a sharing of universal life lessons and truths and things that help us all navigate life a little bit better. I've always known that my dad was different than most, different in a, in a way, not better, but just that I had a great dad. Mm. And when I say a great dad, I mean a dad that managed to work so many jobs, but still be present and give us piggyback rides and save up enough money to take us little brown kids on a vacation every summer, even if it was just to Dallas, Texas. We went somewhere because they wanted us to see the world beyond our community. Wow. My mom and dad were such a pair. They also uh, instilled so much simple goodness by how they lived. Mm. Because what I know is mm. more than anything we say, children watch what we do. So I watched what they did and I watched how they lived their lives. And it was not accidental. They made choices and they chose a kind of a divine path, not perfection. This is not perfection. This is the still the human. But sure. I so appreciated all the things. And I found myself when someone would ask me something, I was saying something my dad said. Well, my dad said, oh, and my dad said. Right. And I thought, right. I need to, I need to share these. Also, my dad is the last living of 19 of his family. He is the only one living. He's buried wow. 18 siblings plus his parents and his wife, my mom. And he, he just comes with so much wisdom and kindness. There's mm. no bitterness in him at all for anything mm. that he experienced. He, he's a man of great faith. And I feel like I hit the jackpot when I got him for wow. that. His name is Green. He is as unique as his name. He was named after his uh, paternal grandfather that he never met. But his name is unique and it is, you know, as Kermit the Frog says, can be big like a mountain or tall like a tree is the color of spring, <laughs> you know. My dad is all of that. And I don't know if that was intentional, but it's no accident that that's his name. So I wanted wow. to share him with all of you because I think he has some things to teach us from the way he lived his life that we can all learn from. And he is 96, correct? He's 96 and going. 96. He's a walker, which is, I mean, stands, he's upright. Every, the mind, everything. He still takes care of himself. I mean, we're just really blessed. And you said he's one of 19, 19 of children? Them. Yes, 19. 19 children. 19. Unbelievable. They were farmers. And so, you know, my grandfather, my grandfather and grandmother had... Um, 11 together, but my grandfather had eight. They were always taught. There were no halves and holes. They were just sisters, sisters and brothers. So my, my grandmother, I think the mother, one, one lady had had four. This was before he met my grandmother. Another lady had four. And one of those ladies was ill and said, I'm not going to make it. Would you take my children? And my grandmother took those four in. So there were 15 children at one point in the house. My and they had, a, they had a nice size house. They had two or three bed, two or three beds in a room. They would sleep two or three to a bed. That's how they did it. But it was what they knew, and it was full of love. Their home was a safe place, and it was a place of well-being. And so my grandfather apparently was a great dad. 
from everything I've heard from all of my uncles and my aunts. And he gave me a great dad. How about that? Mm. How about that? Right. Um, I recently read um, Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, and I loved uh, I just loved his storytelling, but what, what the thing that captured me so much, and I have to believe this is true in, I assume in this book, we don't raise our children the way we used to, the way I was raised and, and reading Matthew, I think Matthew and I don't know how old he is. Uh, we're close. I would assume in the same age because his stories told the story of the way he was raised, which was very different than even my wife and I raise our children. Sure. I assume at 96, uh, your father has import it just imparted wisdom into you. How I, gosh, at ninety six, he's probably seen so much change, and so much in how we're even raising our children. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, absolutely. There was a my father was born into a time of the Jim Crow South, and uh, it just wasn't in the South, but it was it was uh, targeted. Uh, discrimination it was it was um it was a racial caste system that was legalized in this country as you know and how did he was born with that lion you know Mm. how to navigate that so that you can live violence was used as a as a method of social control that's what you know segregation it was it would promote a segregation and all of those things. That's the life my dad was born into. They had to stay in their place. And right. it's certainly not the world I was born into, but mm-hmm. how he navigated that and, and situations in the book that I talk about with him being in certain situations and having to figure out how to still feel like he was a man. Like the word boy used to be used in a very negative way, you know, the N word and the word boy. And my father right. had made a decision early on that, and this is one of the chapters in the book, that if someone called him boy, he would just not acknowledge that they were even speaking to him. He would just keep doing what he was mm. doing, so he didn't say anything. Civil disobedience in a very quiet way. So this particular guy, the overseer, because they did, they went from being landowners, having their land pretty much pulled from under them, to being sharecroppers. So for 10 years, they were st- of my dad's life, they were self-sufficient. My grandfather bought 80 acres, and land, uh, oil was found on the land. And wow. after six years, uh, the hugest oil well there was back in the day. My grandfather had two cars. Come on, a black man with two cars back in the 1990s. Right. Come on, that was something else. Right. And they still had right, a right, right. and buggy. And you know, this, this caste system was in places, don't know your place, don't get too uppity. So these illicit mm-hmm. drillers came and drilled horizontally and tapped the Whitaker well, and um, salt started to come up out of their well, which killed the land, killed the crops. So they couldn't stay on that land that they had been self-sufficient on for so long. Um, and so they became sharecroppers. So my dad went from this idyllic life of, you know, they had their own cotton, they raised their own crop, and they they were all farmers to working for someone else and giving them half of whatever they made. They call it half hand. There's so much I didn't know about that time, but my dad explained to me. And um, they kind of relegate you. These are the jobs you can do. So they were all farmers. But because it was all they knew, um, they knew there was something more but they learned how to revel in that. And they had this big, beautiful family that were devoted to each other. And 
that's the thing that I would like to see more in families today is this devotion to family. There's always going to be someone in the family who may have a challenge or an issue or something and to love each other through that and not to just cast them aside or, you know, um, just I think that's so important to to just kind of have the family be the safe place. And that's what my dad experienced, even when they had to, they, daddy said they cried for two weeks when they had to leave that sweet little town and had to go and be sharecroppers. Um, oh, but it was, it could have made him bitter. And I say mm. this, in the, but it made him better because he was watching, oh. he was next to the youngest. And so he was watching his older siblings, how they handled things, how his parents managed this large, vibrant family. He was absorbing all of that. Because our children watch what we do, right? So right. my dad was that knee baby. They called knee baby boy. Are you from the South? You know, they called baby boy, knee baby boy. He was this next to mm. the, and they say that because they like to stay on the knee. They say, I don't know. It's just an old saying. But um, he was internalizing and watching as his siblings were navigating their way. And of course, that always informed how he was going to make it through. So you, you can have siblings in the same family and you probably know this and you can have a situation and there'll be two different interpretations of what happened based on how each one of them perceived it so i've had a chance to listen to some of my uncles and aunts talk about things from the past and hear my dad's point of view and each one of them has their own but i think my dad had this jubilant spirit at the heart of him that always buoyed whatever was going on in the outside world he was smart he had to know how to navigate to get through that time where uh, the black man had no voice, none. Mm. He said, they can take you out and kill you. Nothing would be done. Mm. And we're looking at the times we're in now. It's just kind of scary that, right. um, that in any way, that if anyone thinks that that was ever right, that, that we need to really look at our hearts and what we're, right. I mean, you are my brother. I, that's what I mm -hmm. see when I see you. I don't see anything else. I, we need right. to get back to valuing each other. And this color of the skin is just a beauty mark. I came here in a brown box. You came here in a peach one, period. We're all mm. the same. God made all of us. That's what my daddy showed mm. me. That's what he taught me. Mm. And that's what I want people to, it's one thing with people to take away. People are just people. Yeah. We're not divided by color or politics. It's, it's these ideas that, that we are somehow supposed to be separate. It's not. We're supposed to be one people, God's people, right. one nation under God. Is that what it says? Okay, I'm getting political, but let's not go there. No, no <laughs> I don't think so at all. I think, I think, you know, I think we live in a media world where they're, yeah. they're controlling the narrative and we have to be so careful to uh, understand what we're consuming because if we, could, we take, if our Twitter yeah. feed, uh, if our Twitter feed is yeah, absolutely, if our Twitter feed or Instagram feed or TikTok feed or Facebook feed mm -hmm. is shaped in such a way then that's our view and there's such a bigger lens and we have to really have a bigger lens i love something that i i is in my notes um it said when facing hurdles her father would tell your kids and yourself to be accountable uh giving it your all whether it's two or two thousand people watching one of my favorite quotes i think is by max Lucado, and he said even the conductor has to turn his back on the audience to construct the orchestra <laughs> and I think there comes time in our life. That's when I read that. That's what it reminded me of is there's times when, as it says, whether it's two or 2000, yeah. if we know our audience, if we know, if we know 
who we, who our people, our village, our tribe, whatever it might be is um, we got to turn our back on the, on the crowd to orchestrate, you know what I mean? Or be a part of our team. That's what I saw when I saw that message. So when, and it says that giving it your all, whether it's two or 2000, what did that, what did that speak to you? Um, I had a couple of instances. My dad has always been my consistent counsel. If I had an issue, a question, a problem, I would call my dad. I'm going to call my dad. If I had some joyful experience or whatever, I'd call my dad. Um, He and mother, I I lost mother as a teenager. So my dad was Mm. there through all those college years and and beyond. And even when I became a mom myself, my dad was right. He was there for the birth of my second daughter. He he was there. This is, I'm not going to say this is, he was on the freeway, five cars behind OJ. So he missed the actual birth, but he got there 10. He was living when they did the pan back. Dad's car was five cars behind the slow chase. I was like, Come I'm on. having a baby. Can you let him pass? <laughs> Come on. Wait, 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 let's just press pause really quick. So your dad was on the freeway <laughs> when OJ was, was on the on run. The freeway, the same, I went, went into labor. He was coming. <laughs> Just to goodness. I said, Dad, shut this thing down right now. What are we talking? I'm not going to have any more, so you might want to come. And <laughs> he was on the freeway, five cars behind the. Come on. <laughs> trying to get to the hospital to see this. That baby is not in my notes. Neither. That is not in my notes. My goodness. That should have been the lead story. I know. I know. <laughs> That's going to be in the next book. But, I'm sorry. But it's just, it was, well, I was like, I cannot, I'm because we started watching and I'm like, oh, I think I'm in labor. And I'm watching it. I'm thinking, and they pull back and I see, I said, oh God, it's my dad's car. Come on. <laughs> and I'm in labor. Anyway, that's just a side story. That's, that's not in the Seriously. book. But I, I went off on a tangent for good. Forgot what no, I said. So good. So welcome to unscripted. <laughs> oh gosh. Goodness. Okay, tell me your question again because it, it left me. Two or two thousand. Uh, right. Okay. So, whether it's two or two thousand. <laughs> my dad, my constant counsel. Okay, again, he yeah. was coming to, to be there because he wanted to see that birth. But he he always gave me some wonderful advice. I was in nursing school, and um, I had this teacher that planted a seed in me also she gave me a c in a class and she said to me you made an a but i'm going to give you a c because i think you do your work best when you think someone's watching Mm. i said i was completely incensed by that i was like what right what do you mean and i was upset i i did not think she was right i did not think she had that correct about me, but it made me think, am I doing that? Because sometimes things are unconscious that we're doing. Fast forward in the book, um, I had come to L.A. to try to start my singing career. I didn't know anybody in the singing career. I knew that I wanted to do it. I had a job as an ICU nurse, so I knew I could support myself, but I didn't know how to get in. I just knew that I wanted in. I knew I knew I wanted to sing. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And um, I was um, working 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And trying to, I got an, I got an agent and, you know, I, things kind of started to move. But I, a friend that I made said, come, in, come to my shows and I'll introduce you to my crowd. And he was very popular. So I would go to his shows and he would stop. And one time he'd hand me the mic and I'd sing a little bit and he'd hand the mic to someone else. This is, of course, pre-COVID, um, way before COVID. And so I kind of thought, okay, now it's my turn to do my show. I've been there about a year. I'm going to do my show. And I practice and I sent out my flyers. And, you, you know, at that point you were mailing everything. And, and I had always played to a full house. In, in Louisiana, I was a, you know, I was huge in Shreveport because, you know, I was, I was the girl and I mm-hmm. always played to whenever they were always, it, the house was packed. Pageants were always packed. And I go to this show and uh, I have on one of my pageant gowns and I've, I have got my, my three piece, my trio, they're there and they're playing the intro. And we said, we're going to, they said, we're going to hold the curtain. We're going to hold it. Cause it was a supper club. We're going to hold for 15 minutes until let a few more people come. And they had a little mini spot and you would, it was an L shaped club and you'd walk from the longest part of the L from the back from like a little dressing room and come through and the stage and the musician were at the apex of the L. And so I come out and I'm a little blinded by the light, so I can't see who's sitting, but I'm just, I'd sung there a bunch of times with my friend, you know, Tony, he introduced me to his audience and I'd had gained, gained a little following. And when I turned around and saw there were six people, now it was one of the coldest records, nights on, on record at the time, it was a February night. It was cold, cold for LA. Six people were there. I was so upset by that that it took my throat. I was like, and you know how that imposter thing walks up, that that self-doubt? I'm not really that good. People don't really want to hear me. All of that was playing. So my first three songs were just, I don't even know if I, I was in my head. Like, nobody came. I must not be good. Nobody came. I must not be good. So I called I get through the show, and my then boyfriend, who became my husband, Don LaFontaine, said, um, well, honey, it wasn't your best. That was mm-hmm. his way of being kind. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to get home. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I just, man, I just, I felt awful. I just, I didn't sing my best. He said, nobody came. How did you, because he had a singing group for 21 years, a gospel singing group, I said, how did you guys perform when there was two three people there and he said that to me well baby you have to do your best because you don't know who's watching and those that you may do something in that that will change somebody's life so always do your best whether it's two or two thousand so fast forward when i was on tour with andrea bocelli and i'm standing in front of an audience of forty thousand. i remember i wasn't far from that little girl at that club that thought yeah. I wasn't good enough. And those words still ring in my ear, whether it's two or 40,000. Mm. Always do your best. Right. And by doing your best, I had a one teacher that said, just keep doing the work and you will become undeniable. 
Mm. And I just kept doing the work from that little club with nobody. I just kept doing the work. And uh, work kept finding me, thank goodness. So here I am. And you have an amazing resume. We've we've covered much of it here, and you've even brought up more that I didn't even know about. So what an unbelievable story you have in, in a life. And it sounds like your father also has an unbelievable life, which is what leads to the book. I, I, I'm i so excited to read this book. So let's talk about the logistics of the book. Where do we get it? How do we get it? When is it available? All those kind of things. It is available right now on Barnes and Nobles right and uh, Amazon. Uh, we have ebook, audiobook, and uh, paperback. Um, you can probably find it in a library and on Kobo. I think it's available there. Um, I think that we want to make it easier for people to get to um, to, to be able to find the book. Um, it is uh, available. It was released on Father's Day, which is hmm. what I wanted as a tribute to my dad. And it was Perfect. also happened to co- coalesce with uh, Juneteenth, which mm. is the celebration Perfect. of the emancipation of, of, of the institution of slavery. But more than that, I think, is it is to celebrate the resilience of the black family, of black culture, black life in America, even though there had been a caste system put in place, that they were still a people that were able to rise. And I'm so proud of their resilience. I'm so proud Absolutely. of anyone, of the Native American, the Latina. I, of any group of people, the Irish, who were also very, who were able to rise against unbelievable odds, the lion's mouths, as, as yeah. it were, and to still thrive and survive. So I am part of that. I'm very proud of my father. I just, I love him so much. It's just, um, I tell him I, that I can't hug him enough. I can't say I love you enough because of who you are. And what you gave me, you gave me a great childhood. You gave me a place of safety in our home. He was mm. present, available, still is. I love that I can pick up the phone and call my dad and say, hey, dad, I just called to say I love you. Hey, baby, how you doing? Mm. It's everything. And my children mm-hmm. have such a loving relationship with him, my, um, <clears throat> my family, my sisters, my brother. So I just feel that the stories that my father taught me were too rich to keep to myself. That old gospel song, I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. I had to tell. So I had to, his life is rich. It's rich Mm -hmm. with, uh, I I say this in the book, it's not about financial success. My dad always said, that doesn't make you a better person or doesn't make you a man. What makes you a man is, you know, how you love your family, close to God. What are you doing to help somebody else? That's what, that's how you measure yourself. And he lived that. You know, it wasn't something I had to pull out of him. I just watched him. I just watched him live his life. Wow. I I, I cannot wait to read this book because I think we're, we are, we are, um, now I'm going to go on a little rant. Um, I think if we uh, discount, the education and lessons and um, things from our elders, then we are so off track. We'll lose um, something. Again, there's so many things, you know, there, there's so many social media things. There's so many places, <coughs> the media, there's, there's all these things distracting us. Uh, and I'm afraid if we listen to those, that is what will raise our children. That is what will raise even us. It will change and form and, and, um, it will make our uh, opinions um, what they will be. And if we 
soften or mute the voices of the past, wow, are we missing it? Because uh, those voices are the shoulders that we stand on today. Amen. And um, I love that you've done this book for your dad and his honor. And I honestly can't wait to read it because I think I will learn so much from it. I do. I, I value that so much. If, if we, if we mute the voices of our past, boy, we're really missing out. We well, really I believe are. That is a really important point you're bringing up that we learn so much from our past. Some people want to take things and listen, America has a tainted history. Almost every country does, but I right. do think that it's important. You have to understand the past so that you understand the reverberation into the future that it has 100%. and, and learning from our elders and what they experienced and what they learned. If we don't, get those stories. And that's why I think it's, it's important for every family. Every, you don't have to write a book about it, but make sure you share and that you get them because once that voice is gone, you don't have those stories anymore. Right. So right. I think it's important for families to write down and pass along stories from their ancestors because right. every life matters. Every yeah. person is important to somebody. And, 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 and to value that is so, so important. Um, I had another thought. Um, uh, you said, well, I'll move on to the next thought, but I do believe that this is my thought here. It is, it is important <laughs> also in this culture, in this sort of media swirl that we live in that's constantly at you all the time, 24 hours, seven is in your hand, it's on your device, it's on your computer, it's on your TV, it's right. just nonstop, is that we do see di there's different pictures of what a black father looks like. We don't mm -hmm. see that enough. We see stereotypical things, but it's not a lot in our media. You don't see, we had a Bill Cosby and then that kind of, that was kind right. of, and then, so what do, what do, if people are only looking at TV, they don't have it in their house. They don't right. have a great dad like I had. Where do they find it? Where do they see it? Maybe a, a good teacher at school. Maybe there's somebody in their church or their local Y or Boys and Girls Club. We need mm -hmm. to hear more stories of good men doing good things, mm -hmm. and a particularly black men. Yes. Um, and I, I just think that that was one of the other reasons that I wanted to share my dad, because I, I in acting class, I would hear these stories. So many people were broken by their fathers. The fathers did something that just broke their spirit and they were still recovering from it or broken home. So and that could happen to any of us. So what do you do if you don't get a great father? What do you, what have mm. you given just, you know, someone who has a lot of issues and they bring their issues and they dump them in the family and there's a lot of dysfunction. What do you do? Well, you seek right. out that good person, that teacher, that whoever that will be for you and you watch what they do learn from that and not from the ugly that you're witnessing because there's always going to be someone put in your life to show you the way to show you the light i had that in my home not everybody gets that and right. i always knew it was a blessing so i i want to encourage people to a write down the stories of your ancestors b tell the stories about good men doing good things of parenting because you can be a father but you're a daddy when you show up to wipe the ass can i just say that mm. you are no, there you're, uh, you know what absolutely. i'm saying you've got to be there on right. the daily you can't be a weekend dad showing up with gifts you've got to be in there doing the work of let me help you with your homework i let me brush your hair my dad braided my hair 
um, let me write, daddy, write, write, catch, just go catch balls outside. You've got to be present. That's when you become a daddy. Anybody can be a father. There's enough sperm donors around the world, but we, yes. need, we need daddies. Right. Uh, because it's important to have the balance. And if you didn't get that good daddy, find someone in your community that is doing the stuff that you wish your dad was doing. Learn from them. Take from them. Read my book. And let's all live with more kindness yeah. to each other. It's so important. Kindness is so important. My dad always had that thread through his life. I'm so happy I got to witness that. And it informed who I am. In a big way. I hope to shake his hand one day because oh. he's raised an amazing uh, young young lady uh, that Thank I've you received, so you know, had the opportunity to speak to today. And I do think you're correct. I think, you know, TV in general makes the dad role. You know, every dad on every sitcom is an idiot. Yep. <laughs> Who wants to yep. say it? Welcome to Unscripted. They, <laughs> they make him this this idiot that just shows up and, you know, he's not engaged and blah, blah, blah. But in, and especially in the culture that we're in, um, I think there's a stereotype that exists that's not true. I, I know many men, many dads exactly. of all races, all colors, all, you know, they are intentional. Yeah, Yes. They're doing the work. And but I unfortunately, as we've said, the media, you know, wants to portray an idiot dad who's not engaged and especially in certain, you know, cultures and communities. And that's not true. It's not true. But, but if, if we allow that to change, if we allow that to be our lens, then that is what we think. And I don't think it's fair because I think there's many people like your father who for 96 years has been a pillar. And clearly in this interview, hopefully everybody's realized I have uh, that he's had an amazing impact on your life. And what a better testimony that he can leave. That's the legacy that, that he will leave. And someday I hope to shake his hand um, and, and just, he's done an amazing, amazing job raising you. It's incredible. And your life has been incredible. Uh, One more thing I want to mention before we, we get off, there's a, uh, you also have a nonprofit uh, or are connected with a nonprofit. Is that correct? I do. Um, I create, where you I champion literacy um, through your books. Uh, what What is that link? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, it's called in a world with books. Dot um, org. I was married. I was widowed. Um, uh, Don LaFontaine was my husband, the father of my children. And we were married for 20 years. He loved books. He loved mm. books. He could not get enough. He would read 300 books a year. I am not making that number up. Um, the library, you can see here, most of these are his books. But wow. um, after he passed in 2008, my dad was the one, of course, I called because he had lived through a similar thing losing my, our mom. <clears throat> he really was my foundational person to go to. I was awakened in the middle of the night. There were a lot of things and tributes to Don because he was such a, a great voiceover guy. You probably have heard of his work. But um, I wanted to do something to honor him. We created a, a voiceover lab that's at the Screen Actors Guild Foundation where people can come and learn for free because Don was all about teaching and giving. He was just like a generous spirit, much like my dad. And this idea woke me up. It's like, you've got to give books. Now, let me compare, mar- uh, marry that with my mom, who, you know, is deceased. She was a librarian. And one of the mm. things she did, she was on the bookmobile when they had bookmobiles before schools. Oh, I remember those. Absolutely. Absolutely. My mother would take that bookmobile to have the driver drive her out into the rural area and go house to house and give books. Wow. 
that never, I, I meet people to this day say, your mother was the book lady. So I woke up with like this idea in the middle of the night and I thought, they said, you have to do this work. I was like, really? Because I'm trying to raise two kids by myself. This is just what you really want me to do right now. But I began on this journey of, of, of finding a way to get in the cracks and give books to kids in shelters, kids at, uh, at homes with domestic violence, to, to just try to schools that were underserved, didn't have libraries or media centers. And kids, everybody can't go to Barnes and Nobles or Amazon to buy a book. They have to go to their library. And I want to be able to give these kids new books that they could keep, that they could own it. There's something about ownership. So I started this nonprofit. We've given uh, 8,500 children, 18,000 books uh, since I started in 2013. We're still doing more work. And in a world with books was a phrase that Don uh, wrote as a writer before he became a voiceover guy. He created that phrase, which he announced a thousand times. And that's what in a world with books comes from. But both of it is to honor my mom and Don in the way of doing something that they love. They loved books. They loved making sure people could read. And so it was my way of carrying forth, paying it forward something that they loved. So I started it, and I have a beautiful board, and um, it has been some of the most gratifying work when you hand a kid a book and they hug it. This one little boy, I was asking kids, uh, I was at a school in Greensboro, Georgia. We're giving 900 books. And the, this little boy, I said, you know, why do we read? The kids say, oh, so you can be smart. Uh, so you can, can pass your test. And I said, well, how about for fun? How about a book can be your friend? And the little boy raised his hand. He said, I'm getting emotional saying it. What if you don't have a friend? Mm. And I said, that's why we're here. And right. I gave him a book, and he, I'm emotional now. And he just hugged it. I mean, that's everything. Right. There's a, a great saying that says, at the end of my life, it won't matter the size of my house, what kind of car I drove, or the size of my bank account. But what will matter is that I made the difference in the life of a child. Absolutely. That is, and so when I started the nonprofit, I had that in mind. I had Don in mind. With, when he was a little boy, they were poor. He, he would memorize the encyclopedia because his, his mom was a waitress. That was the best that they could do. He would memorize books. And then my mom giving books. So to give these kids books for me is like a little piece I'm sending up to heaven, I hope. Yeah. But it, yeah. it, is, it, is, it is a work that I hope will outlive me. You know, mm. I want my children to carry it on. I want, I'm crying now. No, it's fine. I want. Yeah. I want That's your passion. It's your passion. It is. I just, and just, and it, it may not ring a bell with every child, but if you just reach one, that it turns on a light and they can learn something or they can expand their imagination that they can have this book and they can go back to it and it can make them feel safe in a place maybe that isn't safe. It's, it's, it's a gift to me. And I hope it is to the other kids. So what a yeah, wonderful legacy. Absolutely. Like, it's a wonderful, um, like I said, I, it's, it's something that I want to do more of. We're trying to find a way to be, to make a bigger impact. Um, sometimes we will give, 100 books here or 200 books here and it seems like it's not enough but I, I know it is is making a difference um, but I want to find a way to be we want to find a way to be more impactful so we are donation we're, my, my, everybody's volunteer nobody gets paid we don't we don't make wow. any money everything that we get 
We have a partnership with Scholastics and another book company called Gibbs Smith Gibbs. They give us books. We send them to kids. And it, it's, it fills my heart. It really fills my heart. And you can see there's a bookshelf behind me. If you're anybody on video, if you're not watching on video on podcast, uh, understand there's a bookshelf behind me and there's books to my, I was not a good student. As most people know, I, I was not a reader. I was not, I was not good in school, but the books that I have read have shaped me. And, um, I just saw a meme and I'm going to destroy this thing, whatever the quote was, but it said something along the lines of, if, if his bookshelf is smaller than his TV, then he ain't for you or something like that. I don't know. I saw it like four times this week and I was like, okay, that's probably true. Like, and I think it is true. Like, let's make sure, you know, and I know old books are going away because we got eBooks and we got audio books and we have all these different technologies, but at the end of the day, a good old book in your hand that you highlight and fold the corners on and uh, you just wear out i've got a few that are absolute staples in my life and uh you know authors like max Licato and tony dungy and others that have absolutely changed my entire scope in life and again i was not a good student i was not a reader but i have become one and so love what you're doing right yeah well there's a study there's a statistic that says prisons this is really wild Prisons determine how many beds they will create by how many students can read by the fourth grade. Mm. That is an, an actual, it's on our website. Uh, come on. It's, we want to get the kids reading early or, or light the fire early so that they're right. reading, not, not learning from prison. Now, whenever you learn to read, you learn. Some people are later coming to a love of it because there's so much reading that's required just to get through school. And they don't, they don't ever imagine reading for, for fun as something that they can do. Um, I was a reader for information. I had this mom as librarian, so I read a lot growing up. Then when I got into college, it was just information. I didn't read anything for fun. And then when I got married, Donnie was such a reader. Um, and he, he was always reading. And I was just reading magazines, just reading fluff stuff, you know? And he said, I want you to try this book. It was a Sidney Sheldon book. It was a fiction. I didn't read. I like historical mm. fiction. And I read, and I could not put it down. And that started mm. me reading again because I was a big reader when I was a little kid. I was an early reader, reading at three or I don't know. My daughter mm-hmm. was the same. But I I learned the love of reading later again that I had had, that I, that I had lost from my young years. So it's important to get the kids reading early. And if not, it's just if they have access to books, if they can get a book. Um, is important. So I'm glad that you're reading it. It, it, there's something about words on a page that Mm -hmm. gets in differently than, and then it coming in auditorially, you know what I mean? Right. That's the word auditorially. Right. But I'm, uh, no, I agree. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually writing my own book right now, which has been very therapeutic for me. Uh, it's, it is a bit of a memoir, memoir that's not a plug. Um, but I, I have to tell you the story, and it's in that book. Um, my mom, because you honored your dad. Let me, let me honor my mom for one second. And then I really want to go through all the links again so everybody doesn't miss them. Uh, you've been so generous with your time. Um, my mom, I was not a good student, as I've said. Uh, I was not engaged at all. And this is back in the old, this is, I remember my mom saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. Every day when you come home, we're going to read the comics. And so my mom would sit me down on the couch and we would read Ziggy and Sad Sack and all these other, I don't even remember what else, but we would read the comics in the back of the newspaper. And again, I'm, I'm old. So this is how dated it is. But what she did was she 
uh, she ignited my love for reading. And I would have to read it out loud, and she would help me correct words I didn't understand. So to your point, I think um, I'm trying not to get choked up because that, again, doesn't mean I was a great student the rest of my life. It wasn't. But what she did under, you know, help me understand was reading and words because I couldn't, I couldn't read. And so probably uh, because of that, learning challenge. You may right, have had I did. I, in today's world, I would have been labeled a lot of things, ADD, ADHD, all blah, blah, blah. And, and that's all, I'm not discounting any of those things. In that time frame. those things did not exist. And so okay. uh, my mom took the time for me to sit down and read comics. And uh, because of that, now I read books. So wow. uh, well, anyway, I, I, that mom. was to honor my mom. Yeah, you know, I want to add to what you said. Uh, congrats to you having a great, brilliant mom because she She's met wonderful. you where you were. And right. that's the job right. of parenting is to meet each child where they are. We had, I had two different learners in my house. I was a different learner than my other siblings. Your mother knew how to reach you where you were. Right. And she was very smart to do so. And then so gave you what you needed to – because we could – School can make you feel like a failure if you're not keeping up with everybody at this level. But there are all kinds of minds. It doesn't yeah. mean you weren't smart. It right. doesn't mean you weren't smart. There's no. uh, this push for everybody's child to be the number one, to be the best. How about average? Average is okay. Average right. is okay. Right. But you got to meet your kid where they are. And your mother did that. And I want to give her <laughs> a hug. That's yeah. a great moment. Well- well, I tell you what, you can give her a hug when we all get to, uh, to heaven. And, uh, and I can't wait to shake your dad's hand, hopefully this side of heaven. But if not, then uh, uh, I, we'll all get together one day. That'll be a great, I'll tell you, the four of us will have to sit down somewhere and talk. That'll be amazing. All right. So let's run through all the links again. You've been so wonderful. This I'm telling you, I, I, they said, the email they sent me said, you're going to love me. And, and I was like, okay, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait to interview. I didn't even know, like, Come on, Miss Louisiana, singing Whitney Houston, dad's on the freeway with OJ. Come on, you, you have lived. I can't wait to read your book. I can't wait to read your, but in the meantime, the memoir to your dad is uh, uh, When Your Hand is in the Lion's Mouth, The Life and Wisdom of a Man. Where can I'm we find it one more time? Green. The Life and Wisdom a man of a green. Man Named Green. Man Named Green. Okay, thank you so much. And we can find that where? Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Audiobook is great. I want to mention that because my dad is a part of the book. He's also singing and there's a, oh. a special bonus chapter. And then there's an interview where I'm talking and the guy pushed the button and we got some great stuff. Oh, and I can't wait. so you want to, you want to, I, the audiobook is, is, is a delight because I wanted his voice to be a part of this as it is in the book, but you could hear it. He has a certain way of speaking like the Southern, County statesman with a little preacher and a hint of a, a lilt of a of a southern accent. It's just it's 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 a delight to hear him to hear him mm. right now how he sounds. His voice is rich and full and um, it's very special. It was great to do part of the book with him. So, um, but audiobook, ebook, print, Amazon dot com and Barnes and Noble. Is there a website? Do you have a website? Yeah, the website is NitaWhitaker.com. 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 And then the website for what we just shared was the uh, nonprofit. It's inoworldwithbooks.org. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Awesome. In a world with books. Remember, in a world. Remember that. <laughs> That's right. 
can tell you right now, I can't wait to hug on your dad's neck. I can't. I, I, that's just that's the way I'm wired. I can't wait to hug on your dad's neck, and uh, and hopefully we all meet uh, sometime. Yeah. But uh, he's done an amazing job. Your life is a reflection of his, and I'm so glad that you've honored him. That's why I'm writing mine is because I want to, as you said, I want to leave that legacy for my kids. Uh, we can sell, yeah. tell stories around the fire pit all day long, but right. I need to leave something in written form for them uh, for when I'm gone, wherever that may be, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now or 100 years from now. I don't know. But um, your dad uh, clearly uh, left his mark with you and you are amazing. And I'm so thankful for our time today. I really am. Thank you. I am honored. It has been a treat for me to talk with you. I, I feel your heart through the screen. I, I see Thank that you. your mother raised you with a lot of kindness and I love to see that. And we meet each other right in the middle with kindness. And that's, that's kind of what we're supposed to do. And I, I have enjoyed my time with you. Thank you for allowing me this platform and for letting your listeners and viewers know about my book and um thank you very much well we'll do this again i mean if you have time i'd love to do a whole nother episode because we got a lot more to talk about i still want to talk about <laughs> singing for whitney and everything else but no thank you so much you're you're the best and i look forward to meeting you in real life sometime and like i said hugging on your dad's neck thank you so much yeah. he would love that and right. i would too thank you and be well Same. stay safe and god bless thank you so much Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll see you next time on Unscripted with Aaron Conrad. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.